Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so the last time we heard from this guy, six, seven months ago, uh, he was speaking to a group of children, charity event. He was asked about what he's going to do after retirement. He started saying things like opening up a shoe store, maybe getting into radio, into broadcasting. And he's done some of that. But six, seven months later, how the mighty have fallen. Three-time Super Bowl champion James White finds himself in this stupid little rinky-dink podcast that he has agreed to here today as we record on Thursday. Andrew Callahan, along with the legend, future Patriots Hall of Famer James White, Thank you very much for coming on, my man. It's good to see you. Good to see you. I appreciate you having me on. Definitely, definitely. So you are you're a seasoned vet. You are James White, the players, now James White, the broadcaster. Still like your rookie season, but you've been on with the ringer. You did Sirius XM earlier this week. Best and worst parts of being on the other side of the microphone now for you, the last season, covering football as a member of the media. The best part about it, no physical contact. <laughs> <laughs> hey, your hip's okay. No, no, the best part about it is just – getting to know different people, just learn how everybody has, you know, kind of a different opinion on different players, different teams, different situations, which makes for very interesting conversations. The worst part, I guess, is probably having to talk about people that you know and kind of talk about, you know, their game, if they have a bad performance or something bad happened to them. That's that's probably the toughest part, talking about coaches and players that I actually competed with and that I knew from growing up and things of that nature. Right. It's tough. I always like talking with guys who played in New England, either, you know, they're still playing now somewhere else or they retired and moved on because I, I know the answer to this before I ask, it, but I'm asking anyway, when you first started doing media, did you have Bill's voice or Bears's voice in the back of your head? Maybe <laughs> Stacy, did you start talking? Don't say this, say that, stick to the script. Yeah, a, a little bit. You definitely, I'm, I'm <laughs> fresh from, I'm fresh from it. So I'm, I'm not too far off from, you know, being in the building. So I still have that media etiquette from being in there. And like I said, I never am too harsh on anybody because I I know how it is. You know, as right. a player, you know how it is for when somebody is very opinionated on you in a negative way and how it can how it can affect them. And especially if it's somebody that you know, that that definitely can rub somebody the wrong way for sure. Yeah, for sure. Speak for yourself, right? Ignore the yeah. noise, all that and that sign walking out of the building. <laughs> yeah. I, I always appreciated you, A, because you were a straight shooter. B, I don't think you told Stacy no once, and I started covering the team 18, so I got the back <laughs> end of your career. But I would catch you sometimes going out of locker room, get your backpack on, your head's down, and I'm waiting by the door because you got to get some of you guys by the door. I'm like, hey, you got you got two more seconds? And I can tell your mind is already like, what you're going to do when you get home, traffic, <laughs> and you just, yep. Yep, I got you. So 
you still talking to me now is great, but B, after all those little side conversations, was much appreciated. Because, hey, you know, we ask. If you say no, not a problem. You guys are at work just like us, so it makes our lives easier. But um, you were always there with the yes, which I appreciate. So um, I want to get into the NFL Combine today. It's been a while for you, but I thought this would be a fun angle before we get all business and 40s and verts and, you know, interest and who's talked to what team and we overrate this and make a ton of noise. Let's ignore the noise. Let's go back in time. Um you know, you obviously were in that locker room for a long time. Before you got into media, what's over the last six, seven months, something that you believed about sports media as a player that you found to be correct? And what's something that you believe back then you found you were actually wrong about now that you've been in it? Uh, one thing that I knew about it that I was correct about is that you have to be very detailed, similar to football. You have to know what you're talking about. You can't just be up there saying a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> I think you have to know. You have to know players, important players. You even have to know, you know some of the non-important players, especially when you're, you know, because I called a few games for um, Sports USA during the year. I called as a play-by-play analyst. So you really have to know coaches, players. And I think, you know, playing for the Patriots, that was kind of an easy transition for me because Bill always made sure we were on top of everything as far as knowing the ownership, the GM, the head coach, offensive coordinator, who did he coach with prior to this? What coaching tree is he from? So, like, it's been a pretty smooth transition because the way he had us prepared on a daily basis, and I'm forever grateful for that. One thing, I guess, that I thought was easy coming into it that is actually pretty difficult is just simply formulating a good question. It's actually pretty hard to do, like how people always say, like, clown question things. And it's actually pretty hard to come up with good questions to ask somebody because it's just – you think it's so simple that when you actually go to think about it and write down what am I going to ask a certain player or a certain coach, it's it's actually pretty difficult. So because <laughs> <laughs> that's that's something that I thought was going to be really easy, but it's actually pretty difficult for me. Yeah. Well, the way you get better is just to sit in with Bill three times a week. Let me tell you, so I, I wouldn't yeah. want to rewind my own tape going back to 2018, let alone what we're going to do here at 14 when you're coming out of Wisconsin. Um, but you know, I, I remember days first early seasons, and you still do this. You want to have process, put your time in. Like, I have a 35 minute commute to the stadium. Like, how do I want to formulate this? We're going to talk about that. And at the end of the day, sometimes it just flat doesn't matter. <laughs> you got to yeah, go nope, through the yeah, process, yeah. right? Because you want to give yourself a chance. Whomever you're talking to, understanding what they respond well to, what they don't. You know, what do you really want to know versus just saying talk about? Like, there, there are so many times that I hear on our end colleagues or people around us like hey James just you know talk about this topic I have to write about or get for my tv and that's not a question that's not a pointed no. thing you're trying to learn yeah. you're just trying to get a soundbite and that's where as you know like there's there's a difference asking a pointed question versus just throwing out a, a name or a topic out there yeah it's it's definitely hard you have to know what type of response you want know the person you're asking the question to and kind of getting the feel for what they like to talk about what they may not like to talk about like I can I cannot imagine having to ask you know Bill <laughs> Bill questions because he's not going to give you you know much of an answer and you have to make especially people who have to write articles I know that has to be extremely difficult when you know asking him questions but that's his you know that's his forte he doesn't want to let you read too much into him and into his team and he feels like that benefits himself and the team so I say you can't complain about it definitely definitely yeah that's why I think you see more people writing about film stats, analytics, all the like hardcore football stuff in New England, as you see probably with any team. But um, all right, let's officially go back in time now. 2014, what was some of the stuff James White liked to talk about in your interviews at the Combine? Because that's really the meat of it, right? Like you go in 
Every single doctor checks you out, looking through your medicals, your background, how's this knee, how's that shoulder, and then you sit down with the teams and get that face-to-face. Things that you like to talk about with them and things when they brought up, you're like, yeah. Well, for myself, my combine experience wasn't too bad at all. I didn't have really, I didn't have any formal interviews. I just had like little train station interviews, things of that nature where you met with some of the assistant coaches and scouts or whoever was in there, mm-hmm. but Pretty much, I only talk football. My my combine experience was was fairly smooth. I know, you know, most of my friends and other people that I that I know that have gone through it have had the formal interviews where they wake you up at three in the morning or you know at midnight and stuff. I didn't have that experience. I just had like the standard <laughs> little radio where you walk in and if people grab you, they grab you. Then once you're done, you're done. That's that's all I had. So my my combine experience is pretty smooth. So I didn't, I didn't get any, I didn't get any outlandish questions of, mm-hmm. you know, you know, what's your girlfriend's name or what does your mom do this and that and all that crazy stuff. I didn't, I didn't get any of that. Yeah. The, the Des Bryant question, yeah, which got yeah. to be really unfortunate, you know, it's yeah. some point humorous, but also like, there's just no place for that in a workplace. Yeah. No, definitely not. Some of that stuff is definitely out of line. I feel like obviously we're in a different time period right now you say the wrong thing like that and this day and age you, you can lose your job very easily okay so you didn't have many formal interviews and i want to come back to that but when i say your combine experience what's just your flashbulb memory like the first thing that comes to mind when you're at indy and it's like the underwear olympics right which is nothing yep. new for guys who have been in camps throughout high school college all that but you know these are really important days what do you remember most well i mean there's just a lot that goes on from seeing a bunch of doctors getting mris you know having to go through an MRI that you probably weren't even expecting to go through <laughs> like them checking you out. like, Oh, did you have a surgery on this? I'm like, no, well, we're going to send you through this, see you through this MRI to make sure it's, you know, it's what you say it is and all that stuff. And just a bunch of interviews, the wonder lick tests, you know, just making sure you, I mean, obviously you can't control, you know, how much sleep you get if they're waking you up at you know 12 at night, things of that nature, but just making sure you remember why you're there the task at hand is to go out there and try and, you know, perform and test to the best of your ability, which, you know, myself, I'm, I I never say I'm not the greatest tester when it comes to any of that. I'm, that's not really my, my thing. Like, so I just went out there, did, did the best that I could. I mean, I, I didn't stack up against any of the top people, like jumping 40 <laughs> inch verts and running four threes. That's not, that's not me. So for myself, I just wanted to perform the best that I can, you know, try and hit the four or five range and, doing the best of the agility drills and all that stuff. But for me, it was just kind of the on-field actual football stuff. That's where I wanted to kind of shine and show myself because that's where I felt like felt like my my brain and actually playing the game of football, that's where I get to show, you know, my promise as a football player. Well, it's funny you bring that up because, James, I have a scouting report here. And according to this report, you ran a 4.5-second time in the 40. You had a 7.05 uh, time in the three-cone. About average. 23 reps on the bench press. Very jealous for a guy who's just got back into lifting and had chest day today. Vert of 32 inches. I go down the bullet points. James White, running back Wisconsin. This had you. Again, three-time Super Bowl champion, future Patriots, Hall of Famer, all the stats, all the moments, the rings. Round seven dash priority for agent. This is NFL.com. This is not like nobody cares.com. Here's my personal blog. Strengths. Controlled mover with low center of gravity. Good vision. Balance. Short area burst. 50 runner, cuts efficiently in juke tacklers, competitive speed, good football aptitude, highly respected by teammates and coaches. Weaknesses, 
Undersized with exceptionally, this is harsh, short arms and small hands. Good for bench, though. I wish my arms were full <laughs> short of bench. Run yeah. strength is just adequate. Limited power to move the power burst through tackles. Lacks bulk strength, which really just overlaps with the last one. Was never a feature back. Thank you very much, Monty Ball and Melvin Gordon. Were you aware of any of that talk when you were coming in? And as I say that to you now, do you laugh? Is there still like a little fire burning in you? What do you make all that? No, I mean, like I said, everybody's going to have their own opinion on every single player. So I never really took any of that stuff too harsh. I actually heard that for the first time yesterday when I was doing my radio show with, with Bill Lekas. He mm-hmm. he just randomly, like during the break, he's like, oh, we're going to go over your, you know, your NFL scouting report from, you know, when you were coming to the combine. We went over like that same exact, that breakdown. <laughs> I would say, I would say like most of this stuff is, is fairly accurate, but I mean, there's a lot more positives than negatives. So I think that's a good thing. But I said, every single person is going to have a different opinion on you and it only takes one team to like you. And like I said, that, Happened to be the Patriots for me. And I did, I had one formal visit after the combine where I actually came out here to New England and met with the Patriots. That was my only formal visit. And after the visit, I I had a pretty good feeling I was going to end up here. I didn't know which round. I mean, I, I didn't think I was going to go. I didn't think I was going first or second round. I thought maybe fourth and, and or later or mm-hmm. so. But I, I felt like I was just as good as many of those other backs that went in my class. And pretty sure I was the maybe the last one tenured for my class but i may not have been. i don't know if anybody else is still in the league for my class but i feel like i last the longest <laughs> yeah take that adequate power lacks bulk strength yeah. get out of here um yeah. yeah and certainly all of them would would take your career you mentioned the formal interview and i'm i'm shocked you didn't have them at the combine because i remember reading about this years ago and i stumbled upon this area last year going to indianapolis and i'll be back there for five days again where there's just kind of a hallway and players shuttle from room to room to room where each hotel room corresponds to a different NFL team. It's like 20 minutes. They have an air horn. Once that horn goes off, you move on to whatever your next interview is in your schedule. So you didn't do any of those in Indy, correct? I had zero on my card. Not, not one. <laughs> just the pull to the side. Yep. It's just literally, I guess like a train station type thing. Cause it's like a, train station at that hotel, whatever it yeah. is. It's like just a big room and like a certain time during the day where you just kind of go in and, you know, different coaches grab you or things of that nature. But I had, I'm pretty sure that's how it was. Like on your card, like when you check in, there's like, I say you have this team at this time, this and this and that. Like mine was blank, so. <laughs> gotcha. So did you um, meet with any, do you remember the scout or the coach? Did you see anyone from the Patriots that week in Indy? I feel like I didn't. But I don't I don't remember exactly. I, I met with like a, f- a few teams in there, so I don't remember the exact teams that I met with, but just a couple, not not too many. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Well, I'd love to go to the formal interview after the fact. A um, couple more quick on the combine, because for me and I'm going to dive more into this next week, you know, when I'm there and talking with people, it's become such a four TV event. And I don't know if any of this resonates with you. But again, we, they're, they're putting 40s in prime time. Like, there's not as much value in that where you see teams like the Rams. I know the Raiders and Josh McDaniels are not going to make the trip. If they do, it might just be Josh um, this week, where the real football value is in interviews, which now we can do over Zoom. You run the 40. Just give me the time. It's all electronic. It's all there. There's no need to be there with the stopwatch at the very end of that. And beyond that, they'll come to you and do the medicals. So yeah. the, the event has been watered down while the media attention has grown. And so I'm wondering, as you kind of look at it now, does any of that, A, ring is inaccurate? If so, please correct me. And B, what do you make of it now? Like, what what is the most important part for players we haven't discussed or things that people should watch at home, understanding that 
yeah, the commentary is great as the 40s are going on, but nothing really changes as much as it seems once the combine is over for different prospects. And for me, it's definitely overhyped. It always has been for me, but that could also also could be partially because I'm not a good tester. I'm sure people who are a good tester probably love it, especially <laughs> for especially for guys, you know, who you know may not be on the radar. They go to the combine, run a four-two, jump 40 inch vertical, then boom, they jump up to third round pick instead of under drafted or jump into the first round which you know i never really understood but hey they finally kind of think they found a diamond in the rough but for me it's more about finding out what type of football intelligence a person has meeting with them trying to see if they understand their college offense or putting you know their offense nfl offense in front of them see what they can remember and things of that nature see what translates to them and then just simply watching their film i think that's kind of what's most important to me i don't think you know, showing up and doing an hour worth of drills, like catapult somebody into the into the first round. Like anybody can show up for for that one day and you know perform really great. But then once you draft them, they're a completely different player than you ever imagined if you didn't actually get to know them as a football player, as a person, and seeing their actual football knowledge. So for me, it's definitely overblown. It's definitely you know a TV thing, I mean, which I get. I mean, NFL, everybody is all all about getting as much money as possible from the, the owners to the players. So, I mean, I, I get it from that aspect. For, but for, for me personally, I think it's just – it's definitely a hype thing for sure. I, I can see why teams wouldn't show up to that. It's almost unnecessary. <laughs> if you, yeah. if you like I mean, even, even Bill, yeah. I think last year, you know, we're going on a year. And for the folks at home who don't know, at night, this is just like – you know, the, the combine might as well be sponsored by Bud Light – you know, <laughs> the way that agents, executives, coaches are going to the same bars, steakhouses, restaurants, just to converse, to gossip, talk about yeah. the media, obviously thrown in there too. But I think Bill went like maybe the last few days last year. And when you look at their last couple of draft classes, hitting on guys who are now extension eligible, and I think the Patriots would be interested in talking to guys like Kyle Duggar, Josh Uche, Mike Unwen, who drafted in 2020. You know, that had a full combine, but then you pivot to almost exclusively Zoom interviews once the pandemic hits there in early March and you finish out like, you go to 2021 and how much the draft process changed the first year the Rams are like, we're out. We're not going. We don't need to do this. More teams are doing that now. And yet for the Patriots, in their case, their draft class is image strong. Mac and Christian Barmore, first and second round in 2021. You know, we'll see about the kids this year. But Marcus Jones, Jack Jones, certainly like kids. Cole Strange starts right away. So, you know, it's not to say that the combine would go away and the process would be the same. It's just I think there's evidence building. You can draft well and not invest as heavily as you once did where – I don't even think the offensive staff for the Patriots last year went. And again, they they still did okay. Got Cole Strange, identified someone that they wanted. Now, as far as the combine going away because of the TV and the money invested, I don't think this is ever going to happen. But DeMora Smith, president of the NFLPA, suggested it be abolished because of what it really kind of is when you boil down to a meat market. And guys are brought in and tested and treated in a way that, you know, forget the terrible questions as Brian's got once upon a time, but just that whole week. Is that anything that strikes you as maybe fair or that the combine should be changed in any sort of way, maybe not abolished? Or if it is abolished, tell, tell us why. I, mean, I don't think it has to be completely abolished. I can understand getting all the college athletes and things of that nature in you know, the same hotel and things of that nature to be able to meet with all the different coaches and coaching staffs from that aspect and them getting to know them, getting the MRIs and all that stuff in one building so they can kind of shuffle through a bunch of guys. Then they can – Kind of go from there, figure out what guys they would like to come out to their facility to work out or at their college facility to work out and get to know them a little bit more. I, I mean, I think 
the whole 40 thing and all that stuff, I think it's, it's pretty unnecessary. You don't even get to see every person's 40. They only show the guy for the most part, show the guys that they, they want you to see yeah, <laughs> in a yeah. sense. So, so I, I can see why he would want it abolished, but I like the fact that you can go there and every team, if, if every team wants to be present to be there and you can meet with the different coaches and things of that nature for them to pick your brain and get to know you like that. Other than that, they would have to individually fly out each person they would possibly be interested in. So I think that's the best way of kind of, you know, getting to know different prospects within a, you know, short amount of time, I guess I would say that. So I would say like, yeah, centralized. centralized. So like the kind of dog and pony thing and all that, everybody being on the field and the tights and all that. I think that's unnecessary. If you want to run a 40 to see actually how fast they are, then, you know, go to their pro day. Pro days, that's perfectly fine. I think that's cool. Mm -hmm. If you're you're interested in players, go out to their college or their pro day, and they can do the same thing there. If you want to put them through a drill, you know, coach them up through the individual drill at their pro day. So it's just like, I don't understand the necessity of combine. They go do it a pro day. And it's like, (laughs) yeah, it's interesting too, because in talking to guys who, you know, more recently went through that process, they would tell me that, their preparation for the combine. I don't know what yours was like, um, but it's, it's so draft specific, like specific to those drills, not necessarily football. You're not undergoing yeah. football training at Exos no. or any of these different places, you know, train for six weeks to two months. You're trying to get better at your 40 and then you'll never do that stuff again. So were you as focused on those drills, understanding this doesn't really translate to football, but I need to do this because this is still the measurements used in the league. Yeah. I mean, for myself, like I told you before, I, I knew I wasn't a great tester and all that stuff. I knew I wasn't going to jump high and all that stuff, but I definitely still tried to train to see if I could. It's only like six weeks. It's not going to drastically change much. You can change, you can knock your 40 time off a little bit by, you know, switching up your technique and all that stuff, but you're not just going to magically jump higher (laughs) in six weeks. So I myself, like I wanted to go out there and perform to the best of my ability. But for me, I felt like the best way for me to showcase myself, for me to talk, and the game of football and for them to watch my film and see for them to see me do football drills. So I didn't like just zero in on just the combine. I got to go crazy at the combine. I got to go crazy at the combine. Obviously if you don't perform well, then it looks terrible because they feel like you didn't put in any work to do it. So I guess there's it's like a, a happy medium. Like I, I definitely put my best foot forward, but I didn't put like, like I got to go crazy at the combine. That's how I'm going to get drafted. That's not the way I thought of it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm positive you were not in Cancun with your feet, you know, put up and you got a fruity <laughs> yeah. drink in your right hand, just waiting for the calendar to flip to the end of February. It's just interesting though, because again, you know, that time invested in the combine, you shave whatever off of your 40 is time also not spent preparing for what'll come after or your actual rookie season when yeah. you know if you're someone who expected to go in the fourth round or later, you're not guaranteed a roster spot. So that's time not yeah. spent in that way. Though it is interesting because I think there's a portion of the league. Because Nick Casario even said this at the Sloan uh, Sports Analytic Conference, but I don't know if you know about it at MIT. They hold it every year. Jonathan Kraft speaks every single year. But Nick said that, you know, they've almost tossed out the 40 as far as their evaluation. You know, they're more concerned in that 10-yard split. What's your explosiveness yeah. off the line? Or even bench press. Like, you knocked out 23 reps to 225, but how explosive was that coming off the chest, understanding, like, your hands are going to shock anyone you pick up in blitz pickup, and that's what they want to know. What's the time to get off your chest and now back to full extension. So I think some teams are still kind of going along with it. So as not to tip off the other teams of like, we don't care about this anymore, but you wasting your time on the full 40 and the total amount of reps helps us because you're wasting your time. It's just, 
like those drills and things that like you're never going to, I mean, you're, you can, you're going to run 40 yards at some point in the league, but there's rarely ever going to run 40 yards in a straight line. Like yeah. that's, that's never, that's, that's never going to happen. So, I mean, I understand like the point of like, you're never going to have a vertical where you just stand there and jump really either. I mean, aside <laughs> from like a Hail Mary or something like that, most of the time. Playing pickup. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to get a running start or something, some of that feature. Somebody's going to be bumping into you. So and like the three cone, I mean, I I get it. You can see how quick somebody is, but I feel like you can you can tell that by just watching someone's tape or putting them through you know drills that maybe you guys do at practice or certain drills you know the coaches want to see. So I feel like the combines is very unnecessary to me as far as the drills that they don't necessarily translate the football aside from the actual on field like position drills and stuff like that. Definitely. All right. Uh, before I ask you about that interview with the Patriots. Um, Anything else about the combine that you remember from your experience, something that was funny, something that was cool, something that most people wouldn't know about, anything that kind of uh, just strikes you after you, know, you went in, you didn't talk to any teams, kind of did what you wanted to and then got out of there? I mean, I was expecting so much more because of, you know, all the hype that you hear, the teams waking you up and all that stuff, and then realizing that I didn't have any interviews. It was, <laughs> it was like, did oh, you look at your agent and be it. like, what, yeah. what, what, what's no, going I mean, on here? No, I mean, I didn't. I didn't really care. I just made made it simpler for me to just, you know, focus in on what I what I had to do. I didn't have to worry about waking up in the middle of the night to to do an interview. So it's fairly simple. I guess like the funniest thing for me was I missed my flight after after all the drills because like we were running late. We were like the last position group to do everything. The running backs that day. So like I stayed later just to do the the long shuttle and. By doing that, I missed my flight, so I had to stay there an extra day. So I went to Hooters and got me some wings after. <laughs> <laughs> How are the wings? Good. They were good. had hadn't had them in a while for that six weeks of you know trying to eat all healthy and all that stuff. <laughs> I was gonna say that sounds more like a married man than somebody just playing pro football. I'm into Hooters. I don't know what Hooters is. What, what are you talking about? No. Cool. It's, all it's right. Uh, let's get to that that interview. I assume you didn't miss the flight to Foxborough. You flying into Logan, Providence. Take us through the moment you land. Mm-hmm. Who picks you up? I'm sure it wasn't Bill. Um, and then just until the time that you you flew home. Uh, I'm pretty sure I landed in, in Logan. And I feel like one of the scouts picked me up from from the airport. Got there. Like I, what? I think I might have gotten the night before. Got in the night before. Stayed at the hotel. Ordered me some room service and all that stuff. Ate pretty good. Got up in the morning. Um, pretty sure there's some some other players there as well. But just met with I don't know who I met with first. It was like so long ago. But yeah. like I met with I met with Ivan Fears first. We met for like quite some like an hour hour or so. Like watching like my my college tape and kind of breaking it down and trying to him trying to figure out my understanding for our offense and how our offense kind of translated into the Patriots offense. So it was, it was actually pretty funny. He was getting on me quite a few times about like why, why I picked up this person in this blitz and like what took me over there, things that they were like going back and forth for a while, but it helped me learn the game of football a lot. And I felt like I had a great understanding for our offense in college, you know, thanks to my running back coach, Thomas Hammock, who's the head coach at Northern Illinois right now. He changed the way I looked at the game of football because now, when I first got to college my freshman year, I just basically knew what I had to do. I didn't really care to understand, you know, what else was going on in the offense as far as formations and why we were running this play and, you know, why, where different guys line up, some motions and all that. But once he got there my sophomore year, he just, like, dropped the test in front of us and, 
like I said, basically fill it out. Let, let me see what you guys know. And we only knew like a, a few things as far as formations. We knew like, obviously like the play calls as far as running back, but we didn't really understand concepts and all that, but he made sure we learned that. And that kind of changed my perspective on the game of football. And I think that's what made me become a more smart football player. So after I met with Ivan Fears, then for sure like ate lunch. I think I met with Ted, um, and our nutritionist there. They get a better understanding of what my diet was like, which was no diet because I, <laughs> I ate whatever I wanted. <laughs> yeah, you were eating hooters, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then <laughs> and I still had no diet once I got there. But <laughs> then afterwards, I met with the entire offensive coaching staff with Josh, uh, Dable, I forget who else was all there at the time, um, Jerry, who was there. Um, my God, I keep forgetting all the Chadio receiver mm-hmm. coach. Like all those guys were were in the room at like a little round table and they basically were asking me about like protections in our offense and run schemes and what what read was I looking for in certain run schemes and power and inside zone and all that stuff. So I feel like they obviously they, they liked what I was saying because they drafted me. So <laughs> I think they felt that I was a, a pretty smart football player after that. Definitely. And I, I remember writing a story a couple of years ago about that process of like guys who fly into Foxborough, what it's like. And there's always the testing in the beginning. We're going to teach you some of our concepts. You'll go through the day and then we'll ask you sometimes on the field or just back in the classroom, spin them back out to us. But I think getting the grilling that, that Ivan gave to you. And I, I know like, you know, you came from, uh, if I recall correctly, a lot of man block stuff, you know, you're running in Wisconsin. So that there was some overlap there with what, you know, they were doing at that time. And really up until maybe just last year when they went a little zone heavier that, you know, it's not that the the teaching points are identical or your reads, but, you know, I'm sure that they had a good understanding of what you were about. And then to go full step, that's a lot, man. That's not just like, you know, like one <laughs> one person at a time, one on one. Like you you got all these eyes on you. Yeah. Are you nervous at that point? Like what, what was your thought process like? No, I wasn't really nervous. I think if you're confident in what you're talking about, I think you have to be nervous. And I during the draft process, I made sure that I studied like my college, you know, playbook and things of that nature. I still like, I made sure before I had to turn in my iPad and all that stuff, I made sure I like took pictures like the stuff just so I could study it to make sure I was on top of it. Cause I knew that that type of stuff was going to be coming. They're going to be asking, trying to test your football knowledge. And I just had to make sure I knew that. And I will say at the, the place that I trained at Pete Bomberitos down in Miami, Florida, like we did like a little bit of, you know, board work and things of that nature, drawing plays and, you know, blitzes and picking up blitzes and stuff like that. So that, I think that's a big thing that every training place should try and do because obviously the 40, all that stuff, that's important and whatnot, but just to make sure everyone stays sharp on their football knowledge, I think that's very important. Yeah. Uh, did you see Bill or, or Nick Casario at all during your visit? I feel like I didn't, but I probably did. I I, I don't see how I wouldn't have, but I don't yeah. remember. <laughs> I don't long time. <laughs> yeah. I just I just remember sitting down with Josh and all those guys. I vividly remember that just sitting in the room with everybody. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting just to meet with Ivan. But then for me, they didn't do the the whole thing of memorizing their plays. I think they just kind of mm-hmm. wanted to see what I knew from from college and kind of how that kind of translated into their offense. Gotcha. Yeah, and it, it seems like that carryover certainly helped. I mean, obviously, your extra work from the end of your final season in Wisconsin 
you know, to the draft process played a lot in your success. And obviously the Patriots liked you a ton. So maybe you could have just gone in and put your feet up and had a fruity drink and Foxborough and they might've taken you anyway. Cause it sounds like that's what Gronk did based on the stories I've heard recently falling asleep. Like I have no idea how that happened. It's not only just you get drafted by the Patriots by Bill Belichick, but they spend a second round pick on the dude who just can't keep his eyes open. But uh, you obviously very different visit. Uh, similarly successful career, and we don't need to say any more about that. But it's interesting to know how they they do approach different players differently, obviously, yeah. as you put yeah. through the rigmarole of everything that goes into the pre-draft process. And sometimes it's just like, are you honest? Are you smart? Are you tough? You know, you could you could fit in here. Um, one of the coaches you didn't mention because he wasn't there was Bill O'Brien. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you anything you might have heard, any experience overlap you might have heard with Bill O'Brien because you competed against those Texans teams even the playoffs multiple times. So just your impression of him coming to New England and how you see that might change things for them next season. Um, Actually, we practiced against him and played against him quite a few times when he coached the Texans. And I actually played him or went up against him my senior year of college when he was the head coach at Penn State. And they beat us on our senior night with Christian Hackenberg. He shredded this up. So I know he's a, a brilliant offensive mind. He was there before Josh and had a lot of success. I know he's a hard-nosed football coach. He's you know, he's a tough coach. He's passionate. He's going to, you know, demand the best out of his players. I mean, it's similar to all the coaches that have came up in the Patriots system. And I think it'll be a, a great benefit for that offense to kind of get back on track and get that hard-nosed coach and making sure everybody, you know, is bought into the process and willing to learn. I think he'll be a big help for the offense. I think Mac could be in for a big year next year. Amen. Because I thought that was coming last year and I had a swing and a miss. So I think everything's yeah. pointed in the right direction. It seems like a great start for them, whether it's Bill O'Brien, bringing in Adrian Klum, who's obviously been in the system, really signing guys like Connor McDermott, um, that things are going. But we'll have the draft, free agency. Anything you're looking for them in particular, free agency, you know, as they kind of get closer there? It'll be interesting what they decide to do offensive line-wise, see what they end up doing, if they're still going to keep both Janu and, um, and Hunter see what they do with that situation because obviously they haven't used them both at the same time much which is pretty surprising and it'll be interesting to see what they do on the defensive side of things especially if Devin decides to retire what they decide to do on the back end because that's a that's a big loss if he does happen to retire yeah I mean Slate's back apparently Slate's recruiting him yeah, Slate's, Slate's like Slate's I, he's I feel like I've done this every single year, you know, which is only five seasons covering the team. It's like going to come back. And I know knowing him, it's nothing like, you know, for attention or anything. He's making the best decision for himself, his family. It just hit me, though, that this guy has been at this since George W. Bush was in the White House. 2008, (laughs) James. A long time. Is this guy ever hanging it up? How about that? I don't don't know. I thought thought this would have been the year for him, but we do that. I do the same thing that you said. I do every single year wondering if this is going to be the last one for him. But – I think it's very important to keep guys like him and Dev in that locker room, especially with a lot of younger guys coming to that building. They, you know, keep the culture that's been there for so, so long and you know, make sure those guys stay on the straight and narrow and they're willing to buy into the process because these these young guys are different. It's, like I said, the, the social media era, it's a, it's a lot different than, you know, you know, six, seven years ago. You know, guys come in expecting a lot. <laughs> when they right. walk into that door when you got to work for everything that you're going to get when you come in that building definitely i i think you know i wrote a story last year of they're kind of the last remnants of the patriot way right like bridging that kind of you know late 2000s to when you guys had your run of super bowls and playing with all those guys back as they did you know even brewski for that season 
um, you know, Richard Seymour, all those guys and being able to carry on those lessons, which are, you know, been imparted on to players, you know, of course you, when you came along and the guy's still in the locker room, but it helps to have someone there who could share that wisdom like a coach could, but instead you share a locker next to them and how much that means more coming from them. And, um, James, this has been fantastic. I got a couple of quick ones from fans who had submitted on Twitter. If you got quick rapid fire time for this. Sure. No problem. Okay. Uh, what did you make of Pierre Strong last year? I think he's got the skill set. This comes from Corey on Twitter to be a third down passing back uh, next season. I think he definitely does. I think he could do third downs. He could do first and second down as well. He's a he's a pretty big guy. Obviously, everybody knows he's fast. But he came on strong towards you know the end of the year. Him and Kevin Harris, they're they're very very talented. Like I said, it it takes time to you know get adjusted to the whole you know NFL process, not just playing the game, but just formulating your routine, trusting yourself, getting your confidence. I think he built that confidence as the year went on. Gotcha. This comes from Gary. James, what was the biggest thing you had to improve on to get slash stay on the field? Uh, for me, it was definitely being stout and pass protection. I was always confident in it, just but just being able to do it every single time, I think that's very, very important as a third down back for sure. Is trusting your eyes and just making sure you're able to hold up on every single blitz pickup because most of the guys – I mean, every single guy that I'm picking up in blitz protection, especially if it's a linebacker, is bigger than me. So I have to be, you know, physical and stout and give the quarterback enough time to get rid of the football. Yeah, bulk up that lack of bulk strength, allegedly, <laughs> uh, which obviously after 2014 happened really quickly. Very good. All right, last one from B. Um, he wants to know, what was the most difficult challenge uh, in, I suppose this means, on your journey with the Patriots? On my journey, it's probably my my rookie season, you know. Coming to training camp, OTAs, I did fairly well and whatnot. Aside from preseason games, I didn't do much of anything in preseason games with the, you know, the limited reps that I got. And sitting back and watching, you know, that entire season, aside from those three games, doing some scrap duty was was hard. It was the toughest year of football for myself. But I knew after that season, seeing that team win the Super Bowl, I see what it took. I saw what it took you know, to be a champion and saw the hard work that all those guys put in. And I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to you know, have my have my own role in the team and be a part of, you know, helping my team win a championship. So for myself, I had to look myself in the mirror after that year and put my best foot forward and had to show them, you know, what I could do as a player and what I could do to help my team win. They brought in like eight we had like eight running backs that year going into this coming into that offseason. I I thought I was gonna get cut. I had a pretty good preseason and all that stuff. I thought I was gonna still get cut at the end of everything, but I just wanted to perform the best I could in every preseason game, practice, all that stuff, you know, just in case if they did cut me, somebody else was willing to pick me up. And like I said, I still thought I was getting cut after that last preseason game, but ended up staying. And I said, the rest was history. I still didn't end up playing until like the middle of the year once Deion Lewis got hurt. But I said, I just wanted to be ready for whenever my time came. Well, this isn't me giving you flowers because you're on my podcast, but you heard Bill say how many times, if you want to do the right thing, just watch James Wright. And that's exactly <laughs> what you did, James White, year after year after year, starting in 2015. People forget how good that 2015 team was, too, especially in offense. So you guys were freaking loaded. So you could have a hit to Deion Lewis in a career renaissance, go to you, still keep pumping. You were undefeated to what, that Denver game, right? Yeah, it was – It was. yeah, we were. Yeah, I forgot about that game in the, in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to remember, mind you. Yeah. No, but we we were really good that year. Just had a bunch of injuries, a bunch of guys in and out of the lineup. I'm pretty sure Jules went was he down? I think he he was got hurt during that year. He came back like for the playoff game, but he still wasn't healthy. So that that was kind of our and we had the offensive line was banged up a bunch that year. Mm -hmm. Felt like we had like 
30 different combinations of offensive line or whatever it was. But like I said, we held our own, still made it to the AFC Championship, just couldn't win it. Gotcha. All right, last one. Um, this comes from at underscore Andrew Callahan on Twitter. Uh, but I'm going to ask you to break one of those rules that I just remember was on the wall when you walk out in terms of media. The year after that, obviously, you guys win the Super Bowl. You have the game-winning play in overtime against the Falcons. A couple of months later, you get a contract extension. I'm wondering what, if anything, you can kind of share with us about that process, knowing like guys that I just mentioned, Kyle Duggar, Josh Uche, Mike and one of guys that they want to keep around are good young players. You know, they might get approached soon about getting a contract extension as you did after your third year. What was that like? Would you like to see the same thing? Take us through that process. Yeah, for sure. I think those guys are right in line, especially a guy like Kyle Duggar who's gotten better and better every single year, making some big plays last year, tackles, uh, covering man-to-man coverage, you know, forcing fumbles. He's a versatile player. For myself, it was a pretty simple process. I mean, for those guys, they just have to know their worth, know what they want, and hopefully the Patriots are on the same page or somewhere around that, and that's kind of how it was for me. We were on the same page. I felt like I was, you know, worth what they gave me or maybe slightly a little bit more, but I wasn't, I was, I wanted to be a part of, you know, you know, the team that I was on and continue to win football games and help try and bring more championships to that organization. So that's, that was my process. Well, and that's what you did. One more in 2018, I arrive and then uh, everything's been downhill since then. So apologies about <laughs> that, but thanks to you uh, for coming on. This has been fantastic. James, tell the people where they can kind of find you. I know you're, you know, Sirius XM bouncing. You're moving for the people on YouTube have been staring at those Home Depot boxes going, yeah. what's happening? James, uh, tell us what you're up to. Uh, right now, just doing, you know, the opening drive on Wednesdays from 7 to 10 a.m. on Sirius XM radio. Called a few games last year, play-by-play analyst on Sports USA. And I was on the ringer, you know, off the pike with Brian Barrett at the Patriots games last year. So looking forward to see what opportunities come up, you know, this offseason and hopefully bigger things are coming in the future. Awesome. Well, we would love to have you back in this stupid rinky-dink podcast anytime. <laughs> the rookie season the media has gone much better than the rookie season in football. And if you keep on this trajectory, <laughs> who knows, you might beat Devin to that spot in NFL today. This guy thinks he's ready <laughs> for the big time. You see him all over CBS. He's good at it, but uh, you got a year up on him. <laughs> no, I mean, he's, he's got that foot in the door already. He's good. <laughs> he's got that brother in the door. That's what he's got. <laughs> no, Thanks, really James. Good. <laughs> Thank you. The Pats Interference Podcast is powered by America's number one online sports book, Bet Online.